Lots of tradie and service business owners are in partnerships, whether it be with a business partner or with your spouse, life partner or significant other. And sometimes the partnership goes well and sometimes it's a nightmare. Tune into today's episode where we dig into the ups and downs of partnerships and the do's and don'ts that will determine whether your partnership succeeds or fails. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where every week we help you make more money, get your time back, and make life and business a whole lot more fun. Join us as we transform your plumbing, electrical, or similar service business into a successful operation. Don't miss a beat. Hit the follow button. Let's get started. Well, hi there. I'm Tony Fraser-Jones, host of the Profitable Tradie Podcast. Uh, My sidekick and co-host, Phil Smith, here is with me today. How you going, buddy? Always good. Always good. Feeling great. Yep. Yeah, you say that on. every time we start the podcast. I do, but it's, you ask me the same question okay, every time. Okay, so it's my. I need to ask a better question. Yeah, well, ask me something different. Okay. What's my favorite color? Okay, what's your favorite color? I actually I don't know. <laughs> I never really thought about that for a while. Probably blue, I guess. What's your favorite breakfast? Oh, toast. Jeez, you're boring. Let's not do that again. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about today? Mate, we're talking about having a partner in your business. So lots of trading and service business owners either have a business partnership or have thought about it, or they're actually in the process of thinking about it, whether it's a good move for them at the moment or not. Um, and the partnership, it might be more formal. So, you know, getting into business with a mate or a friend, or it might be that you have your wife, husband, or, you know, significant other involved in the business, or maybe you're thinking of getting them involved. And I think like sometimes with that, you might not think you're in a partnership, but technically you are because if you're married, I mean, I suppose you're in a partnership you either are. way, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the direction of your life. And I suppose today what we're doing is we're digging into what will make a partnership work, uh, what makes it fail, and how you can get the best out of your business partnership. Yeah, and it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, I heard someone say uh, once, it's better to be uh, unhappily single than unhappily married. Yeah. And uh, business partnerships are, are the same. Uh, they are a big deal. Uh, and uh, like lots of relationships, you know, you can get into a business partnership that actually aren't good for you. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not working well, it's, uh, you know, it's a it's a huge frustration and takes a big toll on you emotionally uh, as well as mentally. Uh, and on the other side of the coin, if it goes well, it can be, you know, massive upside, a huge blessing and just the best thing you've done. Yeah. Uh, but there are some, uh, what do we say, uh, telling signs which will, you know, let you know whether it's going to be good or not. And uh, you can... Yeah, before you get into a partnership, I guess is the best time to make sure that it's going to work. Because uh, a lot of the problems are come from at the start. Like any relationship, if you're not well matched and and everything's not kind of honky dory at the start, it's probably going to a- unravel down the track. Totally, totally. And I'm sure we've got a uh, story to kick us off, Tone. Well, I don't like to talk about disasters, but apparently they sell more and get more clicks. <laughs> so uh, let's do it. More uh, newsworthy. That's right. Um, this is a uh, like a cautionary tale for people to getting into into partnerships and. Uh, we worked with this business. Um, Quentin was a business owner. He was very stressed out with his business. He had a growing business. Uh, you know, lots going on. He was really struggling to cope. Uh, and he needed support, and he really wanted someone else to share the burden uh, of leadership. And frankly, he was he was actually concerned about losing uh, his best tradesperson called Simon, who actually did lots of the operations work and did some of the estimating. It was like his go-to person. Uh, and, you know, as the business was growing, uh, Quentin was really struggling and he just wanted some support and help uh, and really I guess he wanted to lock someone in you know so they couldn't leave and and just leave all the all the weight to fall on his shoulders yeah well he wanted the backup right yeah he did he wanted the backup and that and that's fair enough so uh you know long story short they agreed to go into a partnership 25 percent uh Quentin I guess effectively sold to Simon uh he vendor financed him in so you know Simon didn't have to really put any money down it was just a, a pay it off as you go type deal Yep, no skin uh, in the game. No skin in the game. So this worked really well for three years. Uh, and then uh, Simon and his wife had a couple more kids. 
And, you know, Simon actually decided that he wanted to have a bit more of a cruisy life. He was getting super stressed out, and he was finding it really challenging. And he actually wanted to work uh, less, mm. uh, and Quinton wanted to, to work the same or more. Yeah, because uh, the reason that Quinton wanted him in the relationship or the partnership was that he wanted someone else to lift the heavy load as well to help well, him lift the load. That's the thing is, Quinton was actually lifting too much load, and Quinton wanted to work less, not that's because right. he wanted less than forty hours, but because he wanted less than eighty hours. That's right, he wanted just forty hours. He wouldn't be happy with that, right? Yeah, right. But the hard part is that for Simon to have less, uh, Quinton had to go back to eighty hours, which was defeating the purpose of why. That's right. Quinton wanted yeah. Simon, and right? so they, they ended up having a, a pretty tough six months because they had a bunch of issues with COVID as well, which impacted cash flow. Uh, profitability sort of dropped away. And here's the thing, Simon actually couldn't fund the repayments from mm. the profits because he was obviously repaying the, the vendor the vendor loan, the vendor finance through the profits. So that just created a real mucky kind of environment. They started to get each other's throats, uh, you know, about who was pulling their weight and where we were going, all that sort of thing. And that took the focus off the business. Yep. Uh, and it ended up in, you know, a pretty messy uh, divorce. Uh, yeah. Not fun. Uh, and now the lessons there are probably what happened before they actually got into partnership. So sometimes yeah. this doesn't go well, and we need to you know, make sure that we set it up for success. 100%. And I'm sure that uh, everybody here listening, probably uh, if you haven't been in a similar situation, and hopefully you haven't, but you might have, you probably at least know somebody that has, right? I mean, it's a pretty common story. I mean, you could probably sub out the name Quinton and Simon with basically anyone that you know, and, uh, and there could be some truth to this story still, right? Yeah, for sure. A uh, few problems if we don't actually do that upstream work, right? Yeah, well, if you if you get into a, a partnership that's a bad partnership or doesn't work, um, you know, there are definite downsides. And one of them is as the original owner, you can lose uh, a lot of freedom and flexibility that you had because you've, you know, you've got a bunch of other interests you need to take care of. So that's one thing. Mm. Um, you know, often people aren't pulling their weight. Like it doesn't feel like people are doing what they're expected to. And, you know, it's difficult enough if, if you have someone who's an employee who's not pulling their weight. It's way more difficult if you're in a shareholding and, and you you know, much more tightly joined together. Or Well, or you're essentially married, right? Yeah, in a sense you are. Yeah, and really, like, you rely on each other in that way and you rely on each other to play the role that you've agreed to play in that marriage as such. Um, and the hard part is when someone's not playing that role, then, yeah, it creates a lot of animosity. It does, it does. And, and what can happen is that, Life, you know, you go into the partnership with the thought that, well, life's going to be way better. Uh, I'm going to have more flexibility and freedom and business is going to be better and I'm going to enjoy life more, but life's not better. Mm, that's fact, right. It might even be worse, except you've got a whole bunch more complications now. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that's not fun. And then, you know, if you do need to make a change, unwinding a partnership is way more difficult than just unwinding a business that you own yourself. Well, it's just like unwinding a marriage, right? It's, yeah. It's pretty difficult. There's a lot of things that... um. Yeah, that are, that are not so cut and dry when you when you want to break well, up. Well, that's right. Actually, it reminds me of a story, uh, tangent, you know, we do this sometimes. Uh, I have a friend who's a doctor. When he was a young house surgeon, uh, he had a senior doctor tell him uh, three rules for wealth creation, you know. Mm. Uh, number one, stay married to the first wife. Yep. Number two, never get remarried. Yep. And if you do, don't have kids with the second wife. Because uh, <laughs> all of that dilutes your, your wealth. So it's probably similar in a yeah, yeah. In a, uh, in a business partnership now, just, as well. Just as a caveat, like if you if you have got remarried and have kids with a second wife, like that's fine. It's no, just, it's, it, just yeah. <laughs> it just it just can create some difficulty, right? Like, I mean and, and like it's not always difficulty, but it is complication. Yeah. And um and so essentially when you go into a business partnership, it's the same thing. It's ideally you want to stay with the same business partner. We actually, we have a um, one of our clients at the moment, uh, recently one client of the quarter, uh, won't drop their names, but um, I really liked one of their 
things they said, which was that their number one goal in life and business is to stay married, which um, which is it's cool because it sounds like that's something to do with their marriage, but actually that's to do with so much more than their marriage because staying married is going to make everything easier um, and just keep them focused on on why they're doing what they're doing, which yeah. I think is really important. Well, just back to my story, the the guy who was dispensing the advice had done all of those things. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he was he was speaking from first-hand well, experience. With a, with a, nobody's with a immune to these difficulties, no, right? No, that's right. But look, on the other hand, if we do the upstream work correctly uh, and we go into a partnership for the right reasons and we do this properly, then there are some pretty great upsides as well. Yeah, I mean, the first one is, is probably pretty clear. Is you know, It's a way to retain key talent and align the interests of your key people with, with yours for a longer term. Yeah. Uh, there's the feeling of support and teamwork. You know, it can be a really lonely job being in business. Totally. And a business owner. So if there's someone else who's, uh, you know, shouldering the burden with you, that can be really powerful for a lot of people. Mm. Two heads are better than one. Uh, you know, you can get a, a bunch of different points of view and not just your own. So that can really help with decision making and, and you know, taking the right direction. Yeah. Obviously, someone to share the leadership load with. And, uh, you know, it can get more and quicker growth. And you can actually create a bigger pie for everyone to share. Yep. And I think that's a thing. If you're thinking about getting into a partnership, you might think, well, hey, I'm going to give away you know, some of my pie, if you like. If you think of your pie as your business, I'm going to mm-hmm. give away some of that, which if that's all that's going to happen is probably not ideal. But if you can create a bigger pie, mm. and actually the amount of pie you're getting, even though it's not the whole pie, is, is more pie. Right. It's a smaller percentage, but it's a larger yeah. total amount yeah, of pie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And everyone knows that pie is good. Yeah, well, it sort of brings back that old saying, you know, let's alone you go fast, but together you go far. Yep. So as long as you've got the right person to go with, um, you should be able to get further, and, and that's really the goal. That's why you're getting into a partnership in the yep. first place. So why don't we talk about what a partnership is? Yeah, well, partnership uh, in this context really is you have a, a company or a business that you, you share the ownership interest of. So there's effectively shares in the business. Uh, let's say there's 100 shares and uh, you own a portion of them and someone else or other people own a portion of that. So maybe you own 70% and they own 30% or 60-40 or whatever it is, 50-50. Whatever it is, uh, that you know, the ownership of the business is actually split. Uh, but also if you're a, if a husband and wife, you may own 100% together, but you're actually working in it together, which is effectively a, a partnership. Well, another uh, thing well. to consider though as well is if you're a husband and wife, uh, you know, you might say, well, I own 100% of the business. I'm the only one that works in it, uh, which is often false because te- technically your spouse also owns 50% and then they might say, I don't want anything to do with it. But the reality is that everything that happens in that business is going to largely affect their life. And uh, and so, you know, at some point or another, you, you're going to have to involve them, at least in the direction setting and, and decision making, if, even if it's not implementation of you know, what, what you're actually trying yeah. to achieve. And then, you, so you've got that level of, you know, working with a spouse or a significant other, and then you've got down to the level where they're actually a key person in the business. You're both working in the business, and that you know, is, a, is a different level of partnership as well. Well, it's all different dynamics. Yeah. Um, not to mention then you go into business with a business partner, and, um, you know, let's say it's it's Jack and John going to business together. The thing is, is you think it's a two-way partnership. There's a four-way partnership because Jack and John's wives are equally... Uh, invested in this, aren't they? So, they are. so the reality is that's a four-way partnership. So each one of these situations is a different dynamic. You know, if Jack is married and John's not, then it's a three-way partnership. And you know, you, you do have to consider all of these dynamics because each one comes with its own uh, yeah, nuances. Um, we've worked with lots of members who there's uh, two husband and wives in the business, and all four of them work in the business. Yeah, even more complicated. Yeah, I mean, each each one is a different situation. Yeah. But all of them are partnerships. Yeah. So I think uh, to start with, maybe we'll touch on what are the bad reasons to take on a partner because uh, we see these all too often. Yeah, I think this is really critical to get your head around because uh, as we talked about earlier, the the early days of the partnership really set it up for success or failure. 
And so the reasons you get into the partnership are really critical. And if you're getting into a partnership for a reason uh, that's putting you at a sort of an emotional weakness or you're under duress in some way or you're really stressed out and you're not really your best self and making the best decisions, that can set up a problem down the track. Mm. And so you know, the key bad reason is desperation. Yeah. Uh, desperation to keep good people. Mm. Uh, so if you've got a key person and you're scared of them leaving and the only way you can think of them staying is to get them into a partnership, I reckon that's a really that that can have a potentially uh, very damaging effect on the partnership because totally. there are lots of other ways that you can retain good people. Hundred percent. They don't have to be a partner. You know, there's we've talked about this a lot: creating a great culture, paying them properly, giving them opportunities to advance, giving them opportunities to grow and develop. Uh, you know, helping them um, feel like they're a real part of the decision making. All that stuff is is a big big part of it and then, you know you, you better just to pay them more than everyone else for a start because you've got some leverage then as well yeah well this is especially true for you know for the type of businesses we're talking about you know trade and service businesses because if you look at corporate businesses there's always another step in that uh, proverbial ladder um, whereas with trades businesses often you can get to a point where that, that ladder is a lot shorter you know you sort of apprentice tradesman you might be a long-term journeyman uh, maybe you've upgraded to ops manager or the likes. Um, maybe even a GM if the business is big enough. But at some point, uh, the only step upwards is to be an owner. Mm. And often that's going to lead to people um, running out of future and thinking they want to be an owner in either in your business or go start their own business. When the reality is that's not actually what they want. They just want more for their life. Uh, but it's that whole get it, want it capacity to do it, right? Like uh, if you need to understand what you're actually getting yourself into, you need to genuinely want that and then have the capacity to do it. And I think next point is that great employees don't always make great owners. Mm. Um, some don't even actually want to be owners. And I think what I'm getting at here is they don't actually get it. You know, So if you think about get it, want it, capacity to do it, they don't fully understand what it means to own a business. And so when they finally learn that, it turns out they didn't actually want that. They just wanted more money, uh, clean boots, uh, a ute to drive around instead of a van. <laughs> and um, to not be crawling in people's crawl spaces and under their houses. That's really what they wanted. Um, but you could have all of that without necessarily having to have all the stresses and, and complications of owning a business. Yeah. Um, and you'll have people ask you for things like, oh, I want profit share, or I want to be able to make this or make that. And really what they want is uncapped bonus, because if you've got a 50% share of the profit and we make $10,000, you get 5000 bucks. What if we lose 10000 bucks? You owe me five grand of your money. Like, do you, is that what you wanted? Yeah, and that's that's important because uh, a lot of employees don't have the risk tolerance profile to actually be an owner. That's right. Uh, or, or their partner doesn't, you know, as well, yeah. uh, getting back to that. So that's important. And sometimes it's way cheaper to actually just pay people better and make their environment better and invest in the team, et cetera, mm. than giving away a piece of the pie. Plus, often that's actually what they wanted. If we think about that example I was saying, the person actually just wanted to share in the profit when it's positive. They actually didn't want to take on the risk of when we lose money or when it goes negative or when it gets low. Uh, and so really what they want is uncapped bonus. They actually didn't want ownership. They just thought they did. Yeah. So and so, so the thing here is locking in the talents and the, um, the energy and the attitude of a key employee through a partnership is a legitimate thing. But doing it out of desperation as the first resort is not a great idea. And there are other things you can do. And you're much better to spend the time and effort building bench strength, uh, creating a great culture and environment, being a better leader than actually just using the partnership as the blunt instrument to get what you want. Totally. And I just want to make the point as well, desperation can show up in a lot of ways. It could be desperation to keep people. could also be desperation to uh, reduce your hours 
such as Quentin, yep. um, and reduces stress. It could be desperation to, I don't know, be able to take on a different skill set from somebody that uh, that has that skill set, and maybe you don't. But there are lots of reasons you can be desperate, and either way, the desperation is not the reason yeah. to take well, on. Well, and at the bottom of that desperation is fear. Right. You know, fear of, of it just not working out. I just desperately need this person. And the power balance is in that person's favour. Mm. And if you're going into a partnership when you're kind of taking the, the weak hand and they're taking the strong hand, mm. that's an issue. That's going to create problems later on, I can guarantee. Yeah, well, you might take on a minority partner, but technically you work for them because they have all the power. <laughs> yeah, they still have the whip hand. Partic- particularly if they haven't put any money in. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like, you know, a bad reason or a bad idea is to just completely fund someone in without any money. Because yep. uh, they're buying into your business, it should have some value if it's making some profit. Mm. Uh, and if they're keen, they need to be able to put some money down, some skin in the game somehow. Now you might fund them in a, to a percent, yeah. But they need to have skin in the game. They totally. need to feel some uh, some pain if things go wrong, and it needs to hurt a little bit for them to get in because that means they're taking it seriously. Yeah, that's so uh, important. That's so so important. Yeah, and I think like you said earlier, better to be miserable alone or unhappy single than unhappily married. Right, hundred percent. 100%. And on 100%. the other hand, why do we go into a partnership? What are some, uh, some good Yeah, there's some, some great reasons to do it. I think um, one is succession planning. So if you are maybe, uh, you know, in your um, your middle age, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not like me, What's obviously. What's it like up there? I don't know what. It, well, I don't know. I'll <laughs> let you know when I get there, bro. Um, yeah, not far to go for me. Hey. Maybe another 10 years. Uh, so succession planning, maybe you are a person who's uh, you know, a generation ahead or you've got someone coming through and it's like, well, actually, I can set up my exit strategy by creating uh, the new owner. Uh, so that can be a, a really cool strategy. Uh, and also, not only is it good for you, but you can actually give them an opportunity that maybe they you know, wouldn't get somewhere else or they get to actually buy into a really well-established business. Mm. Uh, rather than starting from scratch and all the risk that comes from that, so that that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, for um, sure. So that's that's a retention of key people. Yep. Uh, we've talked about that. You know, that is a legitimate strategy. Yeah, and um, just to make the point again, if you're d- retaining people out of desperation, bad. But yeah. if you're retaining people because opportunity, it's, because it's an opportunity and it's not a desperate thing, then that's okay. So same outcome, but for a different reason, yeah. right? It's the come from or the or the reason underneath that's important. That's I it. think support and um, collegiality, friendship, whatever. Um, yeah is important it can be lonely at the top and and some people really do better with having someone who's sharing the load and and that's that's a reason that you may want someone who is an owner who understands that they have skin in the game who understands the stresses and struggles of it understands that if you don't make money this year actually you're going backwards yeah Uh, because the employees don't really feel it they still get paid Mm. uh you know good employees will understand but it's just not the same thing and i think just quickly on that note this is another reason why if you currently feel like I own 100% of my business and your husband or wife, significant other, you're looking at it like, well, they're not really involved. This can be another reason why sometimes getting them involved in some capacity or another can be a really beneficial thing because, you know, you're in it together. And that doesn't mean necessarily, hey, I'm going to get my uh, husband, wife, significant other to come and do this low-level job in the business. But just involving them in like what you're doing and, and discussions about where you're going and, and just having somebody in your corner can be really, really powerful. Um, so, you know, Works for the husband and wife. Yeah, like, I mean, look, too. we we as human beings, uh, just because we own a business, doesn't you know mean you're not a human being. I think that's sometimes right. the news media paint us out to be some sort of greedy bastards who you know. <laughs> but that's ridiculous. We're, we're just the same as everyone else, and we want support. We these want small to, business oh, owners, oh, these landlords, God, oh. <laughs> so you know, getting some support. I think, um, hey, it might be you want to raise some capital, so you have a partner yeah. uh, who may not necessarily be working in the business. You have some expansion plans. They have some cash. 
they can inject some money into the business to help you fund some growth. Uh, that's yeah. a that's a that's a cool strategy. Yeah, it's a good reason. Uh, new energy and enthusiasm. Maybe you're an older person. You've got a younger person who's got more drive, um, more enthusiasm. And there's no doubt as you get older, your you know your motivations change. Yeah. Your energy energy levels are different. You focus on some different stuff. Mm. Uh, a new person coming in can really provide that push. Uh, you know, to reignite sometimes the fire. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a that's a pretty decent reason. Yeah. Um maybe maybe they have some different skills or a different set of contacts. Yeah. Maybe they, you know, they've worked in a, uh, in an area or in a niche or a niche that um you're really looking to break into. Mm. And maybe they're an expert at, you know, solar, for yeah. example, and you're an electrical business who wants to get into that and you're like, well, "We're going to buy the expertise, form a partnership with this person. They've got all these contacts that opens up this whole new front of work." Uh, yeah. that's a that's a pretty decent reason as well. Totally, totally. So I think there are some good reasons we can get into partnerships and some big benefits. Uh, so on the other hand, there are big things to look out for. You know, if you're doing this for the right reasons, there are some things that you want to make sure that you are across before you actually press go. Right? Yeah. Look, as we said, I, I think desperation is a bad reason, and when you're desperate, you don't tend to really look into things the way you should. Mm. Uh, so due diligence is. Um, is really important. And that means doing your research, uh, taking some time to make sure that it's a good idea and you, you tick all the boxes you need to. Mm. Um, it kind of reminds me of a story. Uh, well, it's not really a story, but uh, I've been married for 20 years, love my wife, amazing woman, uh, you know, super grateful for her. Mm. But when you've been married for 20 years and sometimes you, you know, people listening have been married for longer, you realise that some different stuff is important in a relationship than what you thought when you got married, right? Yeah, 100%. You know, this. There's I've a, been married five years already. Yeah, you already figured that, that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, if you ever had to get remarried for some horrible reason, mm. uh, you'd think about it really differently because you'd probably want to know some different stuff about your potential partner. Things yeah. like values, attitudes, uh, you know, way they look at the world uh, are really important because they inform how you do money, you do kids, mm. all that stuff. Yeah. It's not probably stuff you think about when you just see this hot bird that you're like, well, man, I like, like the look of her, right? <laughs> Uh, and so it's the same within a partnership. You really got to get into those nitty gritty things that are important. So, might yeah. be what's your end game? Yeah, you know what's the expectations around how many shares each partner is going to own? Mm. Uh, what time frame? Uh, yeah. Are we going to sell a business? Yeah, or um, is the new partner going to buy you out? Like, have discussions around that. Get really clear expectations. Yeah, uh, so that uh, people aren't disappointed. Because that's the thing in a partnership. What's the biggest problem in any relationship? It's about expectations, isn't it? Totally, that's the thing. Unmet expectations are never gonna never gonna work out well. Uh, so the better you can set those expectations at the start, the more likely they won't be unmet. They'll actually be met and um, or even exceeded, and and that's gonna create a better situation. So yeah, I mean, lots of things to go over as well. You know, like what happens if one of us dies? What happens if one of us wants to leave and the other one doesn't? What happens if we have an impasse in? Um, you know, in the direction that we want to take, you know, how will we solve that? Like, these are all, you know, questions that you want to be able to go through beforehand. Um, yeah, and, and you'll, you'll create a, a shareholders agreement in your company, yeah. which outlines uh, how you're going to deal with the things that you, you know, that you can foresee happening. Yeah. Uh, but at the bottom of that is you can't, like, figure out everything in advance. Yeah. So fundamentally, you have to know, like, and trust the person. Totally. And so do you trust them? Mm. Uh, have they ever done anything that you thought was a little bit off? You know, if people are honest in small things, they'll be honest in big things. If they're dishonest in small things, you've got to be really watching that. Well, you got to have open eyes. Open eyes. Yeah. You want to think about how do they treat their family and how do they? What are their relationships like with other people? Because that's going to tell you how it's going to 
uh, be for you as well. So that, that yeah. stuff's really important. Because I think a lot of the time people say, look, that's their personal life. It's none of my business. And I'm like, yep, sure. But at the same time, the way they act in their personal life, like this will eventually come through. They're not two different people. <laughs> they're one person. And so the fact is, is like, yeah, they're, they're going to be the same person in the end. Well, if the they board. are two different people, that's well, probably yeah, a problem as well. You know, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Me, myself, and Irene. Yeah, yeah that's right. Let's, uh, let's talk about working with a partner. Yeah, let's do uh, that. Because that, that's important. So with your life partner, here's the thing that often happens is, uh, and, and let's be honest, the services, trades are still quite male-dominated, and often it's the, the bloke who's the, the tradesperson or the technician. Mm. Not always, and it's changing, which is great. But often it's... Uh, you know, I'll get the wife to help because she's my wife uh, and uh, maybe she can help in the office and, and do some of the books and, and do some stuff. Mm. And look, that can work really well and there can be a real uh, benefit. You know, and if you're listening, you probably experienced this if it's worked well. It's, there's a real benefit and you both working together on the same thing and, you you know, you like each other. So it's, it's fun. But th- th- just because they're your wife or husband, however this works, doesn't mean you should rope them in. And you need to think about that. Like... Do they actually have the right skills? Yeah. Uh, do they have the capacity? And this is a huge problem because uh, you, you know, if you're both now tied into the business, mm. then you can't get away. You know, you've got to take the laptop to pay the wages, all that sort of thing. Maybe it's like, oh, the wife is often doing the lead role in the children, and if you've got two or three kids, whatever it is, and your wife's working fifteen hours a week in the business, well, that's cool. But actually, if you think about it, they can't work the holidays. Sometimes the kids get sick, so they jump in to do that. Maybe they've got another job they do as well. Well, uh, even more than that, you might just get to a point where you need someone in that role who's doing 40 hours. And at that point, like, if your significant other can't flex up those hours, well, then you, you reach a difficult situation where you have to have a conversation about, are you still the person for this? And as much as, honestly, they probably didn't want to be that person in the first place, once they have been, it can also be a difficult conversation to reverse that decision. So it... It just makes a tough one, right? Yeah. And they may you may need to flex up, but even if they are doing 15 hours a week and that kind of works, when you think about all the time that they're not available for holidays, illness, school trips, whatever, mm. they're not actually working 15 hours per week on average. They're working like nine hours per week on average. And then we wonder why everyone's stressed out because actually the person, if it's your wife or husband, they don't have time to do the 15 hours a week. And mm. everyone's stressed out and you're frustrated with them because they're not doing what they said they're doing and they're frustrated with you because you don't understand how busy they are trying to do everything and it can create a whole lot of tension that didn't necessarily need to be there so 100%. understanding that is really important yeah and I think if you're bringing your husband wife significant partner in uh, you know to work in the, in the office or something like that or to do one of the roles in the business that's fine but I think like I would definitely advocate for you know partners to be involved from a business ownership standpoint you know like a, a governance standpoint you know a, a direction standpoint a vision standpoint um, but they don't always have to be uh, also playing one of the roles in the business you know you, you, it's a different thing being an owner and, and playing one of the, the day-to-day operational roles so it is it doesn't have to be both I think is the yeah. key and whether your partner is your life partner in the business or it's a business partner there's a couple of things that are critical and one is that you have clear roles. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing is there can only be one boss. 100%. This is massive. So a big mistake that happens is you've got two owners and they're like, you know, they're trying to govern by committee. Yeah. Uh, but the problem with that is, you know, if you've got kids, you'll know what this is like. They go and ask dad if they can do something and dad says, no. They go and ask mum and I'm like, oh, okay. 
and they, they, they divide and conquer, or vice versa, whatever it well, is. In my house, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> they, they ask uh, Maya, yeah, Maya's yeah, yeah. like, no, and they come to me, I'm like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, now I'm in trouble. Yeah, we love you, brother. <laughs> yeah. um, but if there's not one boss, then it creates confusion. So, you know, you need to determine who's the boss, who's the, the big boss. That doesn't mean they're more important than the other person, it just means they're the boss, and they carry the ultimate responsibility. And then clear roles. This is the big problem, and you want to set this up in advance. Who does what? Who's responsible for what? Because otherwise, you've got two people kind of doing the same thing and it creates an absolute mess in your business. I can guarantee that. Well, it's also just unmet expectations as well. Because if I think your role is XYZ and you think it's ABC, then I'm pissed off because you're not doing XYZ and you're pissed off because you're not getting appreciation for doing ABC and uh, we just end up at each other's throats when we should have just made that clear at the start. Yeah, yeah. So clear roles, one boss and communication rhythms. So yep. that means you have set times where you talk to each other. It's like your meeting structures in your business, but also you have a, a set meeting uh, at least quarterly. We actually sit down and talk about how things are going as shareholders and what your expectations are and are we meeting the expectations and has anything changed and what about the direction of the business. Yeah, That's really critical. And yep. do that off-site. Make it important. You know, yeah. Set it aside. Put it in the diary at the start of the year, the four times you're going to do it. Yep. Uh, and it gives you that opportunity to clear the year and talk about where you're heading. So that's that's massive. Yeah, big time. And uh, what about transparency? I think this is really important. Well, money's involved, right? Yeah. So that that always makes things a bit tricky. Uh, and perhaps uh, you've got a senior partner, a junior partner, or whatever, uh, and one person is more in control. Maybe one's the boss and one's not. It's it's critical that everyone knows how the financials are going so that everyone can see that and everyone's comfortable that stuff has been done. Mm. Now, most likely there's never a problem here. Occasionally there is. But it's the making sure that it's visible and tr and transparent, so there can never be any questions about things going right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know where things are going. There's no kind of you don't want the seeds of distrust. Well, that's the thing because if there's not transparency, then people will fill whatever blanks there are. They'll fill them with their own um, wild thoughts, right? And their wild thoughts may be way off base. They actually might be correct, but uh, but they also might be completely wrong. So like the more there's transparency, the less there's people populating gaps with their own uh, suspicions or worries or or anything. Because everybody gets paranoid sometimes. <laughs> and so the the more transparency, the less paranoia, and the more everyone's on the same page. That right. that's huge. So transparency yeah. is is massive. I think complementary skills as well. So if if you're thinking about getting into a partnership. Uh, do you have a set of skills that work together? Now, like you and I have a good partnership because I have a certain set of skills. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, Liam Neeson. And uh, I'm kind of like a quite a creative, lots of ideas person. Um, some of them are rubbish, but some of them are good. <laughs> uh, and it's not that you don't have ideas, you have great ideas, but oh, you're, thanks, you're better at me than me at actually implementing stuff. So you can take an idea and make it happen. Yeah. And sometimes I look at what you do and I'm like, oh, that's way too simple, Phil. And you're like, no. Like mm. You're way too complicated, Tony. I'm like, so that's complementary skills. Yeah, we so need both, right? You need both. So if it was one or the other, yeah. we'd, we'd actually have a lot of difficulty either yeah. way. So right. let's say in a partnership with someone who are both exceptionally good at the details and the operations of the business, you know, maybe that's not going to work so well as if one of you is really good at the operations and one of you is mu much more outward focused and more sales orientated and a bit more of an extrovert and go out and connect with a bunch of you know business opportunities. That would be a good set of complementary skills. Yeah, totally. And I reckon that. The last one, which I'd love to talk about, and I know this is important, mm. um, and, and you're big on this, is values. Oh, this is huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, if, if you don't have the same values, or at least it doesn't need to be exactly the same, but there just needs to be really good alignment between the values. And I'm not talking about your company core values. 
you know, obviously that's something that you should have created as a company, but everybody has personal values, like things that are important to them that really shapes who they are. And again, doesn't have to be the same, but there needs to be a lot of alignment there because it's just like with your, you know, wife, you know, partner, husband, significant other, you know, if you don't have a lot of alignment between personal values, then actually what that means is you just don't see eye to eye and you're going to make decisions very differently. Uh, you're going to want very different things. You're going to act in very different ways and it just creates a lot of tension and, and difficulty and you start questioning each other's character, uh, which is just a recipe for disaster where if that alignment's there, um, you know, you're going to be a lot better off. So yeah, super important. And like examples might be, um, you know, are you a, a growth-focused person? Are you a person who's keen on growing? Yeah. Uh, and, and if you both are, then you look at opportunities, maybe you look at pricing some bigger tenders and getting into some bigger jobs and you're both excited about that mm. because oh that's a good opportunity for growth or taking on some new general contractors and marketing in that area whatever it is but yeah. if one of you is and one of you is more of a risk averse kind yeah. of stability person then you're you're always like oh no i don't think we, we're ready for that yet or oh, i'm not quite sure that's the right time for that and the the one is the growth focus is like well when is it the right time and you've got this big tension yeah, well, it's just a gap in expectations, yeah, a gap again, in expectations. Right? and again like you know look at a perfectionist versus implementer you know, somebody who's a super perfectionist is going to be sitting there just like sweating the details and taking ages to take action because they're looking for that perfection. Whereas uh, if somebody's more of an implementer and they're less focused on perfection, they're going to be just trying to get stuff done. Like, you know, 80% there is good enough. Let's just do it. Out the door, better than in the drawer. Um, and the hard part is you get frustrated with each other because the implementer is like, you're too slow. And the perfectionist is like, you're too foolhardy and... Uh, it just makes everything really difficult. So you need to have a good lot of alignment between those values. Yeah, this is huge. And uh, I think we mentioned this, but if you are going to get into a partnership, it's critical that everyone has skin in the game. Oh, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, sometimes I've heard people say, I'll oh, just kind of give the shares away from a really weak position because you're desperate. It's a terrible yeah. idea because they what people get for free, they don't value. That's right. You know, people value what they pay. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's important. Uh, and if someone you're in a partnership with, can't come up with any money. That's a problem. Yeah. That tells you something about their character yep. and about where they're at in life. Yeah. It shows you that they, you know, haven't really thought long term. They're not really a saver. Mm. They haven't really invested in any assets. And do you want to be getting into business with someone? Yep. Now, I'm not saying if your business is, you know, you, this is the other thing. You definitely got to get it valued before you get into the partnership. So there's an objective value on it. Yeah. Uh, and if they uh, have no money, that's a problem. But if they can come up with some money, it doesn't have to be all of it necessarily, although that's you know ideal. It's ideal, yeah. But at least they've got skin in the game. It shows that they've got some financial savvy, some financial well, uh, it's, brain. It's more than that, Tony, because the thing is, is like if you've got a situation where you get the business objectively valued, which means it's not, you know, this is fair. This is this is what it's worth. And then you say, you know, hey, like business partner, I'm willing to sell, say, 30%, but they can't get the money for 30% well, maybe they can only get the money to buy 10% right now. Maybe you're willing to sell more later. But if they can't get the money for 30%, then maybe they should just buy what they can afford because that is the value of the business. And they are going to get the return on that based on the value of the business, yeah. Which so they should be able to get a return. This is an investment for them. And if they didn't think that investment's not worth it, well, why are they buying it? Yeah. They don't have to buy it. You know, like It's the same as anything. It's like if I want to buy a house, but I don't have the money for that house, I've got to buy a different house. You know, I should, no one should give me this house just because I want it. And if I'm not willing to pay what it's worth, well, then I don't actually want it. And I think it's the same with your business, and you have to look at it that way because this is an investment for them. It's not a gift. And 
if they don't see it that way, then they're not the right person to be in a partnership with. Yeah, well, 100% people t- pay much more attention to what they've paid for than what they're given. That's it. Right, well, should we land this plane? Yeah, it's been fun. So business partnerships, look, they can be heaven or they can be hell. And which way it goes is largely determined by uh, what you do at the time of forming the partnership and by your commitment to working on the relationships between the partners. So take some time to think before you act. And when you get it right, a great partnership can actually be an amazing thing for your business. Thanks, Eats, for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. When it comes to running a successful plumbing, electrical, or a similar service business, holding your team accountable is critical. Accountability is the cornerstone for any high-performing team. It's what ensures that the tasks get completed on time, your projects are on budget, your clients are satisfied, and your business thrives. Tune into next week's episode where we dig into how to create a culture of accountability and how you can bust through the biggest accountability challenge that most owners get stopped by. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trading, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Trading Podcast.